0: second
1: what's up and welcome back to now style giving you your 2019 year in television Dave my partner is joining me I am Pat Sheehan Dave I wanted to ask you um, you know we're, we're it's we're into the 2020 now we're into a new decade we already did our, our best TV of the decade best music of the decade best movies of the decade but how are you feeling about the last year of the decade in terms of television 2019
0: Uh, well strong uh watched the most tv this year of any year i've ever watched tv things like 35 36 shows with a Mm -hmm. few more i still kind of want to see so it's a lot too much probably but yeah i feel good what about
1: you i think this was the strongest year of tv since we've started um doing the podcast, you know, we, we obviously missed the, uh, the peak TV time, you know, earlier in the decade. And we, we touch on that in our, uh, decade review, but this feels like just stacked and it's actually interesting in making my list. And I guess maybe a good time to jump into how we're going about making the list. I kind of wanted to go with just like what I felt was like excellence, but also like rewatchability, what also like drove conversation. Um, but also, like picking things that just really I felt like I didn't want to miss. You know, I think with television, because uh, um, a lot of things are dropped on streaming, I feel like ah, maybe I don't need to see it the first day. I can catch up, you know, two or three days later. But um, if something's dropped weekly and I feel like, okay, I need to see this episode tonight before the conversation gets away from me or I'm going to miss it, I really prioritize that. And I loaded up my list to like, probably seven or eight or nine before I was like, okay, now I need to like figure out what gets the last spot on my list. It felt pretty mm-hmm. easy for me. how did it feel for you?
0: Yeah. I feel like I had a lot of this list, uh, built months in advance. And it was just a f- matter of what things get to the tough cut and, you know, we're all feel pretty good about it. Um, some easy, su- easy usual suspects, common on most lists this year some not so much but yeah i think there's a lot of uh, variety i mean there's still plenty of things i didn't see just by watching a lot but um yeah i think you you can make you can make a lot of different interesting lists this year which kind of i think just speaks to the overall variety we had across streaming and cable
1: absolutely uh so why don't we why don't we jump into this list um we'll we'll go 10 to 1 i'll let you start off and then we'll do some honorable mentions at the end and along the way we'll give some some uh feedback and some conversation around just i think different tv topics of the year so what was your number 10
0: number 10 for me was the deuce third and final season it's a good one hbo david simon did you have this one
1: you know, honestly, when I wrote down my list, this one kind of slipped my mind. Um, great season of television, and in retrospect, probably should have been on my top 10, but it's not.
0: That's Yeah, I mean, well, when there's like 15 top 10 shows, you know, That's it's, right. a, it's hard, to, hard to make the math work. Uh, yeah, you know, and I, I contemplated taking this off. You know, I've been on lists in the past. It's the third and final season. It, David Simon not doing necessarily anything New for him, you know, talking to us about institutions and how they affect people. It's the very Simon, mm-hmm. but that also means it's still really strong. And right. I thought I had a really note-perfect ending. I really liked all the arcs we had on this uh, very diverse, uh, satisfying cast of characters we've come to know. So, the Deuce, you know, I think it's a lately underwatch as far as HBO dramas go, but. Uh, really tough to find any flaws. I mean, assuming you could overlook the Franco of it all, but yeah, I think the Deuce, uh, this third season really wrapped up a nice way, you know, the, the, the extra time jump and all that. So it was a uh, really satisfying the whole journey.
1: Very satisfying in the last season, the way it, it looked at Lori and candy, mm-hmm. I think specifically just, uh, some of Simon's best work. Um, for sure. Uh, number 10 for me, uh, I'm guessing it won't be on your list, but it's a show we talked about at the beginning of the year. Um, Sex Education
0: mm, by nice. Laurie Nunn.
1: Um, you know, when I was kind of just looking through the TV shows that came to mind is like, what really stood out to me this year? Sex Education might be one of the most pleasant surprises of the year. A show that was, wasn't Definitely. on my radar at all. Um, it dropped in January when we watched it and talked about it. Um, I think we both were just delighted at this uh, quirky funny high school you know comedy drama that really highlighted I think a lot of um, different issues within high school you know specifically talking about sex in high school but I think it also really got to like the core of like friendship and you know not judging people based on um, yeah, trauma and things like that and, and just like the way that they present and it, it really made a star of, of you know like the the three teen headliners you have Gillian Anderson who's like the you know, seasoned vet kind of anchoring this down, but Asa Butterfield, Nakuti Gatwa, and mm-hmm. Emma Mackey is specifically, I mean, those three, their profile race, and Asa Butterfield is already pretty high, but Emma Mackey in particular, I think, shown really bright in this show. Um, and really, uh, it's a show that I want to go back and revisit just because it is really delightful to be in. There's some really funny moments and some really, like, heartfelt moments about friendship that I think, really define it as a great show for this year. Sex Education, my number 10.
0: Number nine for you. Yeah, I had that as an honorable mention. Uh, it's actually on the list for most of the year. I just axed it more recently. And I'm mm. definitely looking forward to season two, which is coming out in January, which is like the first or second big show coming out to start the new year, which is always fun. Can't wait. Number nine for me is Mr. Robot, season four. Mm. Another final season. Where does this one land for you, sir? Number six for me. So we actually haven't done the full review on this season yet. Uh, Just wrapped up right around the holidays. So we're going to get to that early next week. So we'll save more of the in-depth stuff for that, uh, for for that. So stay tuned, subscribe, all that. Uh, But yeah, man, I found this really satisfying as a fan from the start of Mr. Robot and the payoff that we got throughout the season with the various characters, meeting their, their ends or end of their journeys. Uh, everything felt really earned and uh, treated with a lot of care, which you come to expect from someone who's such a all encompassing showrunner, author, creative, like Sam Esmail. And along the way, you get what you expect with the uh, format bending stuff with the silent episode, Um the, you know, the, the fake one take way back in the day, right? He always tries to do cool stuff and, and the production is always top notch and mm. uh, that didn't change this time around. So Mr. Robot season four, I, I really enjoyed and I'm again, hoping people continue to find this as it in, uh, develops a larger streaming life as the years go on.
1: Yeah, uh, I was incredibly satisfied with this show and the thing I really love about Mr. Robot is that even when it didn't necessarily always hit as a a show as a whole like you think about season two which is a bit muddled and slow and paced awkwardly um, there's something you can take away from every episode that you don't usually see on television that really stands out and from this past season I think it's episode seven where uh, Elliot is like tied in a chair and Vera is like basically Forcing him to like spill all of his secrets, and then he has like the the session with Krista and it 's like a four act play basically yes, and it 's just so awesome. like well done and unique, and you don 't see things like that on television and robot the way it's shot, the coloring, the way they frame things, the music drops the score in this past season was just unbelievable it was uh I think this last season's a masterpiece, and that 's why it's i mean it 's number six on my list, which is kind of great to say a masterpiece, but I really feel like the the top like seven or eight shows this year are just undeniable. So um, I can't wait to talk about it more on Monday. Um, Number nine for me, and I'm I'm wondering if this is on your list, Euphoria.
0: Yeah, Euphoria is on my list at number five.
1: Number five. Euphoria, uh, you know, another high school drama. Um, Stylistically might be one of the most... Stunning TV shows uh, of the year. the The way it's shot is just brilliant. The coloring on it is brilliant. Yeah. And man, Zendaya just. I mean, could, could her stock be any higher right now? Like, nope. She just feels like a rocket ship. <laughs> um. What What did you love about you for? You had it up at number five.
0: Yeah, I think uh, production-wise, it perhaps the best-looking show of the year. Again, part of that's the really obvious uh, color saturation and stuff like that. But once we started really watching the show, and by the time you finish it, you understand that like Sam Levinson—it really was his baby—and like having that kind of vision for the show, um, I think really went a long way. And you know, Euphoria—it's an over-the-top portrayal, but I think it's still a really uh, engaging and relatable portrayal to what it's like being a young person in the fast-moving world we have today mm-hmm. and as you mentioned with Zendaya already very very famous at this time but again a very winning cast throughout you know so yeah Alexa Demi who's rising fast just and waves Hunter Schaefer
1: yeah.
0: uh, Jacob Elordi plays a really good uh goon you know um Angus and then, cloud yeah of course he I think he's a lot of people's favorite character on the show and he's just a supporting player like it's there's so many great moments and i think you, it it's in terms of just creating and maintaining a vibe uh this is uh, pretty close to unparalleled for this year so yeah it's, uh, it's i'm looking forward to season 2 which we know is kind of coming uh, this year which is exciting
1: it touches on so many um practical issues that it, people in high school and younger are are facing now and dealing with in such a different way and um you know, it, I think it builds tension really well, and it, it's, but it still, like, brings levity. And the way that the show is structured, doing the cold openings for each character, really builds out the, the, the depth of, of the characters on the show. And the cast is, like you said, is undeniable. So, um, great, great pick. Uh, and up at number five. Number nine for me. Um, what'd you have at number
0: eight? Number eight for me is is the only... The only mini series on my list? I think so. It's the only show that's definitely not getting a sequel. Chernobyl. <laughs> uh, Chernobyl, the sequel. Yeah. Could- a true limited series, which is a less and less meaningful phrase as the mm-hmm. years go on. <laughs> sure. Emmy's category fraud continues unabated. But yeah, Chernobyl, man. Talk about uh, precise pacing. Five episodes about an historical event most people have at least a pretty Wikipedia-level knowledge of. Mm-hmm. And finding a way to make something that's also very uh sad and unsettling and about bureaucratic failure and stuff like that. And making that engaging and, and, and finding a way to deliver characters that you can invest in, even if it's a short amount of time, also while having incredible production value and really I think selling uh selling every everything about the show and having great acting along the way, even if those actors you know, like Jared Harris, like not the most famous people, uh, overall, but yeah, I think Chernobyl, the only reason I have it a little lower is just because I think, uh, rewatchability, which isn't everything, but like Chernobyl is not like the best hang at times and no one's ever going to watch it a second time, but it's really just an excellent limited series with very few, if any flaws. So it's hard, hard to take away from it.
1: Yeah. Chernobyl's an honorable mention for me. Um, yeah I think you spoke to it really well, but the way that they portray this this tragedy this event, and the aftermath and kind of the role that the Russian government played in trying to spin this and cover it up um is just really well done and it's a it's a riveting mini series, even though the topic like you said, isn't always the easiest to hang with, so definitely worthy of being on a top ten list good pick. Number eight for me is Russian Doll, Natasha Leone's
0: uh, TV show up.
1: from this past year. Six for me. Six for you. So um, Russian Doll was another surprise from this year, yeah. earlier in the mm-hmm. year. Um, and I think what I love most about this show is it touches on, I think, hu- human topics in such a, A unique way but beyond that it just feels like this was straight from natasha leone's like bloodstream like this was (laughs) basically every it just like portrays her pretty much and then it throws in a couple other characters around her but like the part of new york city she's in the cast of characters you see around her she's kind of like famously this like New York Mm Cityite who will just be smoking cigarettes on the corner and dressing ridiculously and hanging out people in bodegas like, and this just feels like her. And I I think that's why I love most about the show It's just it was fun to to hang out with Natasha Leone in this way. Um, What what made you put it up at number five for you?
0: Yeah, uh, six. It's also uh, it's really clever, right? It it, Mm -hmm. it juggles I think weighty, more dramatic themes alongside just really funny stuff throughout. It's less than four hours total. Mm-hmm. And despite having a short runtime, I think it really packs and uses that emotional wallop uh, quite effectively and precisely, which again, you know, with like a uh, runtime creep being really common nowadays, especially on Netflix, uh, getting to what you say and not not rushing to it either, but just telling it your your story in a I think a precise way goes a long way. And yeah, it just the New York City identity of it all is, is awesome. Just yeah. seeing that kind of, truly lower manhattan story being told by someone who just embodies that place great
1: yeah you know it's it's fun it's funny to think about too because the beginning of the season obviously the the whole bit is you know she dies and she wakes back up in the same place but then she finally she starts to find that she can change things if she makes different decisions um but the way it kind of balances um like Alan played by Charlie Barnett and and his like mental health issues and him like wanting to kill himself with the way that they kind of make Natasha Leone's constant dying at the beginning of the season, like a running gag for the first couple episodes. I think they really hammer that home. Well, and it's such a, a funny show with so much heart and I'm really excited to, to see that come back. Um, Good, another great pick. Dave, I think we're doing a great job so far. Yeah, um, me
0: too, man.
1: <laughs> so tell me what you got at number seven, then.
0: Number seven for me, Barry, season two, HBO. Another honorable, Barry. honorable mention for me. Cool, cool. Yeah, Barry, um, I guess I now feel this way about Russian Dahl, but Barry was a show that after one season that was really hard to critique. It's like, should it come back? Is it worth coming back? Sometimes the answer is no. When you look at maybe Big Little Lies, or to a lesser extent, Killing Eve, right? Not always coming back for season two after in a dynamite season one, is a good thing. But Barry uh, told me, to "Shut up," because hater <laughs> and Ackberg—they're like, "Yeah, we, we got we got a lot more going on. We got more story to tell, mm-hmm. and continue to just kind of think uh, layer in this this cast of characters and." making Fuchs could become a truly detestable villain and Mm. showing us the source of uh, Barry's PTSD and also Sarah Goldberg's character's PTSD for a different reason. And it's, I, I, you know, it it was showing you grief and showing you all this stuff. That's not that fun to, 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 to to dissect, you know, it it always was a dark show. It was always a dark comedy, but I think it got even deeper and darker this time, but nevertheless was still maintaining your attention the whole time. And even Anthony Kerrigan uh, somehow managed to become an even stronger character despite being a bit character, you know? No, I um, think. And, I mean, it looks great the whole time. Hero Mariah's direction needs no introduction. Right. And I think the Ronnie Lilly episode in particular is perhaps mm-hmm. uh, one of the best episodes of the year across Top the, three. The, the whole field. So... Yeah, Barry, man. Uh, also coming back this year. Very excited for that. And uh, you know, it's Bill Hader's best work. It's it's really cool to see someone who we knew for something so different now yeah. find his true creative calling, I guess, you know.
1: Do you you know, mentioning the Ronnie Lilly episode, do you have like a, a top like two or three episodes of the year for you that stand out? I, I have three specific ones that stand out. Um, I think we'll sure. probably be talking about all the shows, but do you have yeah that come to um, mind
0: yeah stuff from Watchmen stuff from succession coming up stuff from Fleabag uh, also I think the mr. robot silent episode yeah just from a format perspective really stood out to me um, a lot of stuff I like from Game of Thrones Mandalorian as well um, but yeah Ronnie Lilly really had a really I think stark vision and was r- really awesome Yeah. Especially for, again, half hour.
1: Yeah. Ronnie Lilly stands out to me. Um, Like the way that shot, it's kind of like on like a swivel cam the whole time. And you're like following Barry's actual perspective with him. Like a tracking shot is pretty cool. Um, I, I love the nostalgia episode or nostalgia medication episode from Watchmen where Regina King is going back in time. And I'm sure we'll be talking about that a little bit more, or re-experiencing her, her grandfather's mm-hmm. memories. And then the last one in the top three for me uh, is Game of Thrones. I think it's episode two, the one where they're preparing for the Battle of Winterfell. Um, yes. And, oh, yeah. Uh, the Knight of the Seven Kingdoms. Yes, Night yep. of the Seven Amazing. Kingdoms. Um, th- those three for me feel like they're a step above all the others. And that's, you know, <laughs> that's not even mentioning... Two of my, uh, my my one and two on this list, episodes from that. So really a great year in TV. Um, great pick with Barry, though. I'm excited to see where they go season three, because I think the more that they explore his PTSD and his time in um, during the war and, and kind of coming back from that, I think the show can really continue to level up. So excited for that. Number seven for me, David Fincher's Mindhunter season two. Ooh. Um, Four man. for me. Uh, I mean, Absolutely fantastic show. Um, this is right up my alley in terms of interest. <laughs> I mean, it's crime show. It's like, it's psychological. It's serial killers. This the season they really wrote they uh, wrote in the Atlanta child killings as yep. um, a major plot point for the second half of the season, um, and they focus a lot on Holt McCallany's character, mm-hmm. um, right. Bill. A, uh, Bill Tench a little bit more and <sighs> raising Damien. Yeah, and I and I actually think that that was a fanta- like a really smart move because in the first yeah. season you get so much of Holden played by Jonathan Jonathan Groff and for as much as it was an awesome season of television, um, I think if we had just been following Groff around as Agent Ford again, we would have been I think it would have felt a little bit samey. I don't know how much more there was to explore without really building out. The other characters around him and Holt McCallany kills it in this season. Um, that's yeah. not even mentioning Anna Torv, who I also think mm-hmm. is awesome as Wendy. Uh, and yeah, just say it's, it's Fincher on television. How could you not love it? Right.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting too because season one also is much more like cerebral, atmospheric show, mm-hmm. whereas season two, I guess, is a little bit more accessible. It's a little bit more procedural, especially in the back half when we get to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. But along the way, we start breaking down all this cast of characters and getting inside the head of Holden Moore and of course everything with uh, uh home life and of course uh Wendy as well you know with uh, her her dad, so as a as a lesbian at the time mm-hmm. when it's not uh, inviting to right. be a professional like that you know uh it, there's a lot of i think the character arcs are awesome and then you know, along the way, you, not, not just Fincher too, but like the Andrew Dominic episode really stood out just from production standpoint. Mm-hmm. And then Carl Franklin really just kind of uh, setting the mood all over again, once you get to Atlanta, it just, uh, in terms of what things look like and production value and just camera technique on television, it, it's probably the best, best, best way we've seen this year.
1: Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I, I think back to the season and we get, Interviews with some of the most high profile killers, including Manson. And that, yep. that whole Manson scene, I think, is just like what, what the show was built on. And I think what makes this show so compelling moving forward is these like going into the minds of these characters. That it's so dark and, uh, you know, seeing how that's building out into their own personal lives as well as they do this work. It's just fascinating stuff. Mindhunter, my number seven. Dave, I think we we did your six, five and four now.
0: Is that correct? We've done them all already. Six the Russian <laughs> Doll. Five is Euphoria. Four is Mindhunter. So my, my number six was Mr. Robot. My number
1: five, I don't think you're going to have this on your list, so I'm going to take the ball for a second. I think you should leave from oh. Netflix, uh, starring Tim Robinson, who also co-created the show with uh, Zach uh, Kanan. And it's a sketch comedy show. Episodes are like 15 minutes. There's only six of them. And this might be the funniest show of the year. Um I it's absolutely ludicrous, uh the the situations they get in. Um, and Tim Robinson in every single sketch is just hysterical. But it is um, probably the show I've revisited most this year. You know, if I ever like get back from like a night out or something like that, and I just want to like watch something before bed, I almost always throw one of these episodes on and I've probably rewatched the whole season about Four or five times, just because it's it's quick. It's fifteen minutes, three or four sketches, and they're all hilarious. um The the singer sings about skeletons and coming to life. <laughs> Probably my, my favorite skit, but man, you can. I don't think there's one re- truly like bad skit on this show. So if if you haven't checked out, I think you should leave. And you have maybe like an hour and a half, and you want to get through the whole thing. Sit down. I don't think you'll regret you'll regret it. You'll find yourself going back to a lot. Also. Uh, I think you should leave out of context is maybe my favorite new Twitter follow of the
0: year. So. Ah, I love those out of context accounts. There's so many now.
1: <laughs> so many. Um, so, number five, I think you should leave. Number four for me, I know it's an honorable mention for you The Mandalorian. Yep. Um, John Favreau's uh, pillar television show. Mando. Disney Plus. Man, um, wrapped up what, two weeks ago now.
0: Mm-hmm. And we haven't had a chance Season to Season review about it. coming next week.
1: So we'll, we'll get a little bit more in depth to it. But um, I think especially after The Rise of Skywalker, which you should check out our review on that. And <laughs> um, we, we gave some thoughts, gave some mm. takes.
0: A lot of thoughts. <laughs>
1: uh, I think after seeing the way that that concluded that trilogy in such a, for me, mildly satisfying way, The way that this season of television established characters, established probably the most important person in my life in terms of Baby Yoda Mm -hmm. uh, and then also did basically like individual like mission episodes that then somehow tied together at the end beautifully and had some of the best action sequences on television this year um, i don 't know how I could leave this off, and especially the the finale for this is incredibly satisfying. Everything feels very earned um, and shout out take tv because i he he yeah. absolutely kills the, the the last episode so good, uh, yeah not only as i g but in terms of direction
0: yeah well, again we 'll get to more of it next week for the full season review, but made alorrean what 's cool to take away from it is when you look at the whole season season as a whole there 's a lot of traditional genre storytelling choices with it where you have some more mission of the week style stuff like the prison episode with Bill Burr's gang and the uh, sanctuary episode with a chicken Walker and uh, the Tatooine episode as well. Mm -hmm. But along the way there you're coloring in the characters more. So when you get the penultimate and finale, they land in such a satisfying way. And like, when you have such a dynamite finale, you can look back on the journey the season went on and just be even more satisfied. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and we'll go with casting, everything, the the technology behind the uh the shooting. There's a there's a lot of great stuff about the show. We'll get more into it next week. But yeah, it's uh in terms it just left me satisfied just about every week. And you know, I think sometimes that that that, that that's all that matters.
1: Yeah. Uh I mean there's so many episodes that stand out, I think the one for me that stands out most is the gunslinger. Um, you know, where they have to go onto the ship and uh break out the the person in terms of to bring him back and get the bounty Mm -hmm. but it's part of the group mm -hmm. with uh bill burr and man the the like strobe light scene in that is so sick sick and just everybody that that directed an episode this season really stood out um obviously favreau did a lot of them but uh you know i am incredibly excited to see what deborah chow can now do in terms of star Wars and she's going to be directing all the uh, the Obi-Wan stuff. So uh, can't wait uh, to talk about it on Monday. Um, Number your, your number four was
0: mindhunter
1: mindhunter. So number three for you, Dave,
0: number three for me show that everyone loves succession season two on HBO.
1: Also my number three, Wow. What? It I'm was surprised. number
0: two for a long time. And then Damon Lindelof came. So it had to go down a slot. But that is no shot at succession, <laughs> which is, you know, I won't call it monocultural. The ratings aren't amazing. But it did have a legitimate week to week presence. And perhaps the strongest week to week presence HBO has in the post Thrones world at this point. I don't know. But uh, it's uh, but for an ongoing show anyway. Uh, man, just watching the show week to week and seeing what happens with this truly motley crew of crew of characters. So satisfying. And the way the, sh- the show has managed through two seasons now to lampoon the incredibly wealthy and not lionize them, but still make them fun to hang out with and see what the fuck they're up to. Uh, man, man, the Roy family. I, I cannot wait for season three the show is so good
1: it it's so good and it just is fun like it's everything I love about television where it's um maybe not the characters I I love to follow but the storylines are ridiculous but tantalizing and you really do start to connect or at least feel like you'd like hanging out with these characters and you're rooting for them, even though they're really just shitty people
0: and yeah, it's shot definitely. so
1: beautifully and it's fun to talk about every week. And it, it really also kind of keeps you on your toes because like the, the season finale, everybody was saying, who's going to be the, the sacrifice, the blood sacrifice. Is it going to be, is it going to be some Greg sprinkles? You know, <laughs> um, is it going <laughs> to be uh shiv or what? But no, it ended up, you know, it, it flipped it on his head and that's so good um the show is so well written man and yeah shout out to um mark Mylod, who directed the last two episodes mm. and the last episode in particular where they're on that yacht there's so much imagery and and metaphor going on in in the way that things are set up and the way that they're they're shot it's uh it's really just impressive um, and obviously it helps that they shoot on location in these pretty amazing locations, but mm-hmm. still just a pleasure to look at.
0: Yeah. You know, the thing is too, I, it produces the memes and the and the jokes and has the humor, but you're also invested in the character dynamics and the drama that is the actual plot of the show. And the fact that it gives you both on a consistent basis, I think what, which is what makes it so great. Um, the quote cousin of Greg, was it a, if it is to be said, then then so it is. <laughs> yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> uh,
1: I think we have, we have the same top three. So Succession is my number three. Number two, Watchmen for me. Same for you. Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, we just talked about Watchmen a couple of weeks back. Um, so I don't know. 17
0: if minute review. So go get that. I don't know if
1: there's, there's much more to add. I mean, having, having a couple of weeks, I guess, to let it marinate in your mind. Anything that, that really stands out to you about Watchmen that we didn't talk about in the review? Uh,
0: no, not really. I think just overall, I, I, we have no news of any future seasons. Again, I hope that we just leave it alone. doesn't sound like Damon has any interest in going back, so
1: mm-hmm.
0: I think I'd be even less interested in going back without him, even if he would, I guess, maybe be open to elevating more voices in his absence, but... Yeah, I think the central conceit of the show is that you know, with a a the first superhero being black but needing to pretend he was white to actually be a superhero was a genius way to connect to Alan Moore's central thesis of his landmark comic. Why would a superhero? Why would someone put on a mask in general? Mm-hmm. You know, and Damon finding a way to use genre once again to get to those themes that he's always cared about most that we know from Lost in the Leftovers that how characters process uh,
1: grief grief, and and, and drama
0: and whatever is way more important to him than the actual plot of it. All right. Of course. Meanwhile, the Watchmen plot's still super compelling and (laughs) the characters are so great. And even though inevitably it does end up giving us a lot of Dr. Manhattan stuff, um, you know, the format, some of those episodes, when we learn more about stuff from Cal, um, I mean, it's a, True, I, I, it's still really, I can't believe it was as good as it was. It truly exceeded my expectations. I think it really set a new bar for uh, making a sequel or yeah. a remix. You know, remix it's, adaptation.
1: Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it was such a risk. I feel like you know that's. Uh, what... It's very beloved in, in terms of the, the, the fans it has, and it mm. felt risky to take this on and to say like alright I'm going to remix I'm going to add on to the story because I think a lot of people didn't necessarily want to go in liking it you know sometimes with IP like this people don't want to see it touched they would, they don't want to see it expanded upon unless it's the original creator and even then it can be a bit dicey and the way he was able to pull this off build new characters that really spoke to the story spoke to the, the underlying meaning of it all was just so impressive and man uh you know I, I looked through the list of of showrunners and creators on this list and out of all of them i mean maybe Lindelof, phoebe Wallerbridge, and sam eshmael are like the only ones and i guess simon on your list as well are the ones yep. that have like my my season pass you know yep. for sure that i'm gonna Agreed. i'm gonna check out whatever they, they put out so looking forward to whatever his next project is um for sure. But Watchmen, our number two, and that means our number
0: one. Dave, what is it? Fleabag, season hey, two. And hopefully the final season. That sounds, sounds like, like it'll again. be at least for a long, long time, I hope. I don't know. Mm. Uh, yeah, Fleabag w- w- was put on number one. What, when does this come out? June? May? May. Yeah, May. It's been a while. and it was just It was just slotted there. Succession came. Watchmen came. But Fleabag, season two. It's the show in general, which made both of our decade lists, by the way. Check that out on YouTube and all those places. But Fleabag is a format-shattering, TV-changing type of show. Mm -hmm. And nothing else is attempting to do that. So not a fault for anyone else, but Fleabag just kind of in a different stratosphere. It's playing a different game, and that's Mm -hmm. why it's the best show of the year, and that's why... Even I think even if people like season one more, which there are people that do, the Fleabag should still be the best show of the year because it's just operating in a different different plane. And w- with the way it leveled up with having the Hot Priest, having Andrew Scott notice that Fleabag is talking to the audience and being like, yo, what the fuck are you doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, genius. Genius shit. Yeah, that was great. That's so good. And in general just changing the way an audience the show for two seasons has changed the way the audience has a relationship with their protagonist it, it it's it's unbeatable it's, it's
1: and, such a good scene when he when he recognizes it when he's like what was that and she's and she like looks back at the screen he's like that right there what are you doing like <laughs> you, you you finally feel like like this person the flea bag who has been carrying around so much guilt and so much shame and so much self-loathing that has inhibited her from developing a meaningful loving relationship allowing someone else to love her allowing herself to truly love someone else since her friend died and she feels responsible for that um to finally feel like she's letting someone in to see her in that way it it totally flips the show and it it brings in themes of religion and what it truly means to be self-actualized, to be fulfilled, to Mm -hmm. uh, explore your soul. It's so good. And then to end the way it did with like the Fox, (laughs) I mean, just like it's, it's no perfect. It's, you know, we don't usually say pieces of art on this are perfect, but this really might be a perfect season of television, 24 minute episodes that are so tight. um, Shout out
0: BBC, man. Yeah, shout yeah, out I'll Olivia
1: Coleman I mean she's like like the third most important person on this and I love every scene she's in she's so fantastic and especially that that first episode of season one is so good it's basically like a bile episode inside that restaurant it's just oh man the show is so smart um the way that Phoebe was able to uh collaborate with Harry Bradbeer to to shoot this and, and to develop it, it's just really impressive and Man, uh, I can't wait to see where where she goes. Um, any last thought? Any last thoughts on Fleabag? Uh,
0: no, it's uh, it's funny. It's dramatic. It's everything, man.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I think the fun. My, my favorite funny bit about it, though, is the. I think it happens twice where they make a reference to God and the the painting falls over. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's hilarious.
1: No, I I agree. It's. It- just so good <laughs> um really not, that, that's my expert analysis on it dave give me give me your 10 through one i'll do mine then we'll do some honorable mentions real quick
0: yeah 10 10 the deuce 9 mr robot 8 chernobyl 7 Barry. 6 russian doll 5 euphoria 4 Minehunter. 3 succession 2 Watchmen. and 1 fleabag
1: My 10, Sex Education, 9, Euphoria, 8, Russian Doll, 7, Mindhunter, 6, Mr. Robot, 5, I Think You Should Leave, 4, Mandalorian, The Mandalorian, 3, Succession, 2, Watchmen, and 1, Fleabag. Dave, your honorable mentions, please.
0: Yeah. I just want to note, too, for my top 10, six of the shows are from HBO, two are from Netflix.
1: I think I had three Netflix and three HBO.
0: And then Robots USA and fleabag is bbc man. slash amazon yeah
1: so game of thrones how close did that come to your top 10
0: i think i have it at 12 it was in the top 10 for a lot of the year certainly an honorable mention again we've elaborated on the season at length at this point and was my number one show of the decade it's not a slight against the show at all uh, but it was also a strong year and it, it also was not the strongest throne season
1: major slight against the show dave major <laughs> slight um yeah it, it wasn't very close for me um you know, we, we we've talked about it, Nauseum, but uh, certainly not the strongest season. Tough to wrap it up when uh, in a satisfying way for the fan base. I think um, Stranger Things that come close to your top ten. Uh,
0: not really. That's in like the late teens range, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, you you had Sex Education. That was another mention for me. Glow season three. Another mention for me. Mm, good one. Also, uh, Legion, Detective, Veep. Uh, Mandalorian as well, um yeah. I mean, there's all shows that you know I don't really have any issues with stuff like what we do in the shadows, the latest Maisel, Righteous Gemstones, Black Mirror. You know, mm-hmm. it's a lot of good stuff. You just gotta kind of make those cuts. Um, yeah,
1: yeah. Now, Bossy uh, uh, verdon Yep, I was gonna mention that one. Um, the Good Place is a show I continue to enjoy. I know you don't watch it. Uh, Rick and Morty too. Uh, You you know, you mentioned before we we recorded a lot of TV shows ended this year. You know, Thrones being very notable in that. Mr. Robot as well. What else we got?
0: Uh, Veep, Silicon Valley, The Deuce, a lot of HBO ending. Uh, Legion, Easy on Netflix. Hmm. Uh, Fleabag for now, we'll see. Uh, Potentially, Big Little Lies, potentially True Detective, don't know. End of the Fucking World, I think, has ended. Um, arrested Development has ended, technically. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, I'll believe that when when they're all dead. <laughs>
0: yeah, I just don't know if that show it wasn't good enough this time to go back yeah. and with the tambour of it all. Uh, other stuff that we don't really review on the show, but a lot of, actually a lot of big stuff ended this year as well. Jane the Virgin, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, Baskets, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, Or' is New Black, Broad City, The OA, Transparent, You're the Worst, Preacher. And even stuff that's not that great, like Big Bang Theory, Ballers, Supernatural, Suits, Power's about to end. Um, BoJack and The Good Place, I believe, will be ending this month.
1: Man, putting BoJack in that not so great category. No, I, that just, was a, there was a
0: period at the sentence. That was a new, oh. a, new a new statement. Gotcha. Um, shows that aren't good though. Uh, man, The High Castle has ended. Remember when people cared about that <laughs> first uh, season? It's okay. Man, yeah, that's well, you didn't you tell me to keep watches. That way. Um, also the, all the Marvel Netflix shows got, uh, canceled, you know, canned for yep. various reasons. So yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting. You look at that and a lot of those shows, critical shows, popular shows, cable and, uh, premium. It's, uh, definitely moving into a new, a new wave, you know, And for HBO. It's what's net, What's what we got now. We got succession. We got, mm-hmm. uh, his dark materials, <laughs> and uh, Westworld's return. God help us.
1: <laughs> uh, HBO has some work to do, but I'm, I'm not too concerned about them, honestly. Oh. I-
0: we should also shout the shows that we don't watch that are actually are good.
1: When they Unbelievable,
0: see When They See Us, Pose, Better Things, Rami, Pen15, People Like The Boys. Uh, these shows just got canceled, by I know people really like Lodge 49 and Tuca and Birdie again watched a lot of shit can't watch it all sorry
1: can't watch it all um wanted to shout out real quick true detective season three though yeah man. Not, not not gonna be close to my top 10 list but Mahershala his performance in that is, is really good um,
0: he's close
1: yeah he he should get all the shout outs uh you know it's it, it, flawed season but it, him playing the same character at three different points in, in his life and one of them being a person that has memory issues dementia potentially it's pretty mm-hmm. impressive so yeah uh, w- w- worth checking out you know re- you're wrapping up the, your holiday season right now so if you have some some time and you want to watch some tv and you've already gotten through our top 10 lists maybe check out some true detective i don't know but let us know what you think of our list hit us up at nostalgia pod on twitter uh go to youtube.com slash nostalgia pod and subscribe to the page and comment on this video and let us know what would be in your top 10 what we got right what we got wrong um we'll be back on monday talking a whole load of movies mm-hmm. some television maybe some music i don't know is there anything any music you want to no. talk about no nope, not, really. not yet
0: but our uh, gems are staying uncut let's put it that
1: way can't wait to talk about that um until monday peace out